velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Hello mate. Tom, lovely to have you. I feel like the season is almost upon us. This feels like we're really back properly and what better way to celebrate the start of a season than to talk to the man at the start of his second season in charge of Bath. It is Bath head coach, Johan van Graan. Johan, thank you so much for being on the Bath Rugby Plug. Thanks, guys. Brilliant to be back here. Uh, I was uh, on the podcast uh, about a year ago and so many things have, have happened and I've learned so much and I've had a lovely year with my family you know, in Bath and have enjoyed the first year, the ebbs and flows of the rugby season, and similar to you guys, can't wait to get started on Saturday. And sporting some uh, very nice gold trim castor kit, Johan. That's uh, that's that's new for the season. Yeah, that's that's certainly very new. Um, when I heard uh, about uh, castor somewhere through last year, I went to buy myself some of uh, castor clothing because uh, I've never in a personal capacity I've worn it uh, I'm a super dry man and I love Adidas so uh, uh, I kind of bought it on, on my own and yeah kind of enjoyed it and there's always big excitement in, in a pro team and a rugby team uh, to kind of get kit for the year and see how it fits um, I think for a large part of the group it sits very well uh, for one or two guys you know they might get something different uh, but uh, no, they, they've been they've been good to us. And um, look, kid is 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 the man that's in the jersey. You know, some people will like a jersey, some people won't. For us, it's about blue, black, and white. I love those three colours, and uh, that's where we're going to be predominantly playing in. And that's our home strip, and it's the man in the jersey, and that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and we're going to talk all things blue, black, and white with you, Johan. Look back a little bit on last season and then kind of give a preview, new faces and new things to expect. But I think everyone's talking about one thing in the rugby world and that is the Rugby World Cup at the moment. So whilst we've got you on, it would be remiss of us not to have a little chat on it. And the quarterfinals are now set and it looks to be an absolutely mouthwatering weekend next weekend. How have you enjoyed the World Cup? How much have you been able to watch and, and is there anything that stood out to you? Firstly, I, I absolutely love uh, World Cups. Um, we were still in uh, the apartheid years back in South Africa when I saw my first World Cup in, in 87 and then 91. Remembering in 91 how Australia beat England. I think the score might have been 12-6. Nick Spar-Jones lifted the, the trophy. 
95, I was uh, a ball boy for some of the games. Uh, and I saw Jean Olomou play the first time against Ireland at Ellis Park. I saw South Africa beat Samoa in the quarterfinal, and I was at the World Cup final in 95. 99, I watched the two World Cup semifinals. Stephen Larkham knocked out South Africa with an extra time drop goal, and then Dominici scored for France against the All Blacks at Twickenham on a Sunday afternoon. 2003, watched England beat South Africa in Perth. 15-6 was the score, I believe. Um, and 2007, my girlfriend back then, now my wife, we went to watch the World Cup final. Um, some of my very good friends played in that in that final, which you know I coached at the Bulls. Uh, 2015, I was part of the Springboks at the World Cup. Um, one of the toughest moments for me in sport, losing to the All Blacks by two points in the in the semi final, and then you know, beating Argentina in the third and fourth playoff, and then. Uh, our highlight for me uh, is my family, and we went to watch South Africa play Ireland uh, two weeks ago. And obviously, I'm South African. I love the Springboks, and we had a lovely five years in in Ireland. And uh, you know, uh, seeing the likes of Pete and Tyke uh, play in that game, what a phenomenal game of rugby that was! So yeah, I absolutely love the World Cup. Uh, what a fascinating four quarterfinals await for different reasons. Um, if I start with Wales, Argentina, 50-50 in my book. Um, if I jump to Ireland versus New Zealand, I think the context of the series win that Ireland had 2-1 in New Zealand is going to be big. I was also at the Aviva Stadium the last two times that Ireland beat the All Blacks. Uh, I think you're going to find a very difficult all-black team to beat. They uh, are a proud rugby nation, South Africa, New Zealand, but this is New Zealand Island, kind of a new rivalry. I think that will go down to the wire. Um, whoever comes out of that game, I think might get into the final, if I had to guess. Um, England, I said to quite a few people in-house, I believe England have got a chance to get into the final. And one of the things that people don't appreciate enough about a World Cup is the emotional toll it takes. So England are playing Fiji. Yes, they lost to Fiji a few weeks ago. They're not going to fall into that trap twice. Um, you've got South Africa and France after that, should England go through that. If you want to watch um, a world heavyweight boxing match, South Africa versus the French, I think they're going to take each other out. Um, South Africa world champions they know how to win uh, the most experienced team at the World Cup a lot of those players I've coached for a long time they know how to win on the flip side how good is France balanced game outkick oppositions brilliant defence exceptional forwards and now they've added that to their French player Jalibert on form whether the Pont plays or not I think they've got world class players all over so if I had to guess one of South Africa and France versus England, one of Ireland or New Zealand to play, I don't know, one of the other two. Um, I think it's good for world rugby. I think it's brilliant that Portugal beat Fiji, and I think it's beautiful that Fiji are through regardless. I think that's what the game needs, and uh, a World Cup quarterfinal uh, is a tough one because you are so far away from the final. If you lose that, you haven't really achieved anything. Uh, where we, if you get into a semi-final, even if you lose, you still play for the bronze medal. So, yeah, brilliant.
that's that's uh that's a, that's a cracking preview but um you haven't given us a name so without wanting to put you on the spot uh, uh, look, I, I i would say for me the form team of the last four years have been island i think they've been in the irish system the way they've built their team the the way they've learned out of their mistakes uh, I think you've got to make French the French the favourites because they are playing at home. I will always, always, always back my home country. I'm a South African. I'm a Springbok, so South Africa to win it. Yeah, some of those games, those quarterfinals are so hard to call, aren't they? And I think I was having a little look at the um, the odds earlier this week and they're all so, so close. But incredibly, all four of the... Uh, Northern Hemisphere teams are favourited slightly to to beat the Southern Hemisphere teams, albeit by one or two points. So, yeah, I think that's that's a, a turnaround from where it's been in previous years. And I personally can't wait for for the quarterfinal, semi-final, and the final. I think New Zealand myself uh, are coming into form and uh, going to round it off. But um, yeah, maybe England as well. Let, let's kind of look back then, then Johan uh, last season, as, as we referenced earlier. You were kind enough to come on the podcast before the start of your first season. I think you referenced then that this was kind of the first step on a on a journey, on a on a train journey, and the the kind of the end of the season. So at this point was going to be the first stop, and some people were going to get off, some people were going to get on. How do you think that first chunk? How do you think your first season went as you reflect on it now? Um. I would say uh, inner satisfaction. And the reason I say that is I found a club uh, for whatever the reasons may be. I, I'm never going to comment on the past, but on the 11th of July last year, I found a club that was broken. I found a club that had no idea how they want to go into the future. I had a club that had incredible supporters, but they had no idea what the team is actually about and what are they actually aiming for. And they were just holding on to something that they achieved 25 years ago. I found a group of men that needed direction and I found a hungry bunch of, bunch of guys that would need clear guidance as to how we're going to play the game. So the first thing I started off last season was body composition. And to show you how much we've grown since we started on the 12th of June this year, I haven't had to mention body composition once. I found a group of men that became fitter. And you can see that in the injury profile, started last season with 18 long-term injuries, started this season with one. Mm. And all credit to our medical team um, under guidance of Rory, our physical performance under guidance of Alex, nutrition under guidance of Sarah, everybody working towards one thing, and that's performance. So that's, that's the first bit I'll say is we, we, we are definitely in better physical shape. The next bit is a clear way of playing. You can call it the pathway. You can call it DNA. Is we needed to find something that people believe in. And I went to the fundamentals of the game. I went to something that I know of because we went through that at the Bulls and that's been tough to beat. And um, that's a very measurable thing because you can measure how guys get up off the floor. You can see if guys want to hit opposition guys and you can see if guys want to fight. And that's the type of guys that I want in my team. And a lot of results went against us. 
you know, you, you don't just walk into a place and you just start winning. Um, the sale game round two was a difficult one because we came so close to beating Bristol away in round one. That drop kick of Piers just went to the left, which would have been a brilliant start for us. And then we got physically beaten. We lost Ben Obano in game one. We lost Chris Kluter in game one. I didn't really see any ball carriers. So I was thinking to myself, how are we going to win games of rugby here? So the the most important bit was for us to make sure our defense gets better and to make sure we've got a set piece and that improved through the season. So that's the first bit I'll say is the satisfaction that we got ourselves out of a hole. We had a kind of a purple patch in November. Uh, the highlight was beating Leicester. Mm. Just, just, uh, just at that point in the season, a big moment that, that we look back on is the signings of Ted Hill, Ollie Lawrence, Fergus Lee Warner, Valerie Morozov, and obviously in very sad circumstances at, at, at Worcester Warriors. But how big a turning point do you think that was? Obviously unexpected from your point of view. And what did those guys 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 bring at that point when we were having a little bit of a, um, a tough time form-wise? Yeah, Tom, that's one of my beliefs in life, this is a personal belief, is I believe in life as an individual, you need three big things. You need grace, uh, you need hard work, and you need luck. And I think somewhere between those three things, uh, out of very unfortunate circumstances for a lot of guys, uh, we worked hard to get those players because it's, you know, people say, oh, we got them. Yeah, we had to work incredibly hard to get them here. I had to convince Oli that there's a vision that this club is going to win. I had to convince Ted that he's going to play 50 test matches. You know, I had to convince Fergus that there's a future here for him. So that that was the hard work bit. Um, the luck bit was a lot of those guys fell into positions that I was looking for. I was looking for a gain line center. I was looking for ball carriers. Um, at that stage, you know, Charlie Yules was was out for the year. Quinn just came and he got injured. We lost Josh McNally and Gerrit Jan van Felsen in five minutes against London Irish. And then hence, okay, I've got to go for Fergus Lee Warner, which I didn't know at all. So to answer your question, that, that was a massive moment between, let's call it a bit of grace, a bit of luck and, and hard work. And that's, that together with some small wins we started to have, um, you know, we could... If you guys think back to the Leicester game, we got outpunched in the first 20 minutes, but would we hang on? The dollar ran over us on the left-hand touchline, but we stuck in it. We got a bit of momentum, and then it became a one-score game with the last play of the game with that massive kick of Matt Gallagher. We won a scrum penalty. Matt Gallagher kept the ball for six phases, and then Butty scores in the corner. Yeah. So th- there's, there's some big moments. Um, I think the the disappointing one was, you know, the, the Glasgow game away, which, you know, we worked so hard to win that game and, and to draw that game. Now we were the first time to draw there, uh, first team to draw there in a very long time. Um, the one that stung was the one against Bristol at home. I felt we, we, we had opportunities to win that game. We didn't use the opportunities ourselves. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, George Skivington, uh, after we played Gloucester, I think it was around four or five at home, he said to me, Yuan, uh, from the outside, people can see what's happening. People can see what you're doing. And he said, when he went to Gloucester, he said, it's about the wins on the inside. And I said to him, I can see all the wins on the inside. It, it, it'll come to wins on the outside. 
and then we started to snowball. Even though we lost against Northampton away, we actually played pretty good rugby. Mm-hmm. We conceded the two yellow cards just after after half time. Um, and then the extra game was the big uh, turning point uh, where I felt the first time we dominated the team physically that day. Then came the Gloucester game, which was a very important day for the club. I remember while still coaching Munster, watching Bath lose to Gloucester 64-0. Yeah. And then the belief that to come back from 17-0 down and actually beat them quite comfortably at home, that was massive for the club. I remember... Hugging Danny afterwards, seeing what it meant to Sam Underhill, guys that played in that fixture the previous year. That was a massive moment for us. And then, you know, that gave us confidence and then came on Twickenham. And, and we used Twickenham to say, we are dreaming towards the future. If we one day get to a semi-final or a final at Twickenham, how are we going to prepare? And we, we kind of treated that game as a semi-final or a final against Quinns. And I thought both... You know, both teams came to the party. What a phenomenal day. 45, 35, I believe it was. That great try by Max and Joe at the end. But I feel you could see our game coming together. Joe Cognacina's try of the three phases. Our mall was going well. And then the Saracens won. We could only play who was in front of us. We still needed to make up the points difference. And one thing I used is my time at the Bulls. Two bits. We needed to beat the Stormers by 33 points at Newlands in 2006. We beat them 43-10 by exactly 33 points. And in 2007 at the Bulls, the last game of the season, we needed to beat the Reds by 72 points. And the Bulls won 92-3. And I used some of that motivation and what we used then to this team. Last play of the game, one point down on points difference. Obviously, the Gloucester game was was a few minutes behind us, but we came through and we scored a try. So, yeah... I'd say a satisfactory into the season, not where we want to be, but we're back in the Champions Cup, which a competition I love. We have to be in the Champions Cup as Bath, and we want to be in the Champions Cup, and we're going to attack it again this year. Uh, a long way to go, but for that train to stop then for year one, I'll take it. Yeah, and onto that train comes some really exciting new faces. So let's kind of tackle some of those. Um, I know that everyone's going to want to talk about Finn Russell and I've seen in your press today that he is at Farley House. We're going to talk about Finn, but I think a guy you've had in a little bit longer and might know a little bit more about at this point is Thomas Detoy. I know I can imagine that he was pretty gutted to miss out on the South Africa squad selection, but from a selfish point of view, we're really kind of excited to see what, what he can bring, having had a two or three weeks now with you guys and what have you seen from him in that period and, and what can Bath fans expect from Thomas the Tank this season? And just maybe just before you do a side question on that, obviously a very useful asset of his is being able to play both sides of the scrum. Um, we don't see many props like that in, in the Premiership. Yeah, and, and I was just wondering how you're going to manage that, where you think he's best suited to. Just just explain to us how you're thinking about that as well, if you don't mind. You know, I don't want to don't want to say too much, but one thing I'll say is the two of you understand the game um, because both of those questions is one of the main reasons why I got them here. I saw with the salary cap that we're going to be at a pinch, as is a lot of clubs. And, you know, people speak so much about innovation and being creative. I saw the innovation in Ollie, Ted and Alfie. I saw the innovation in being creative in Thomas. I needed to find a way to make our cap work. I couldn't control what happened in the past. I could only control what I found here at the 11th of July. So 
I said to myself, as a prop, we've got Will Stewart and we've got Benno, which is ball carriers. I need more ball carriers. So if Benno um, was injured at that stage, if he doesn't play, Juan Skuman is a very good player. I'd say Benno's super strength is his ball carrying. Yeah. Will Stewart gives us go forward. So I, I need more of that. Then I made the sum well. If I can get a two and one, how good will that be? And I went out to the market and I found the best two in one in World Rugby in Thomas. Um, we work with a certain company from a factual point of view. So I did my homework. And then I always look for the person, give him, find a man first, and then you give him a job. And one of the things that Bath fans can expect leadership. He's coached South Africa at every level up until South Africa A. He was captain at the Sharks. He's a quiet leader, but he knows how to win. And part of, of signing guys is guys with previous experience. One of the reasons I brought Matt Gallery here because he was in the Saracen setup that won. And I need more guys that have won things before. Thomas Atwe, having part of a team that have won the World Cup. And then from a, a type of player, pretty simple, go forward. Go forward in the scrum, set a mole. One of the only props in world rugby that is a true jackler. If you go and watch a game, the Sharks versus... Um, just going to get my uh, facts here. Um, remind me, Champions Cup, uh, something with AB, where that the uh, south of France, Bordeaux. The Sharks versus Bordeaux last season. Look at his jackling around the pitch, which is something that I believe gets us into games. And then the other bit, Touchwood, he's got a very good injury profile. So, you know, and he's going to be available in the winter months uh, post-November. We don't lose him for that Six Nations bit. So I know some of that have changed with, unfortunately, London Irish going away. But so Thomas, massive, massive signing for us. Yeah, and obviously the other blockbuster name is Finn Russell. Um, I think last season we probably saw, I think it'd be fair to say, we saw your style being mostly do kind of dominated around the forwards, getting the all sorted, getting the scrum sorted. Is is how will Finn fit into to that style of play, and, and kind of what's the plan to to integrate him into the team? So, so I'll, I'll answer that in in three different ways. Um, firstly, one thing that I want to make so clear is this team of ours will be built on a squad. This team of ours need more than one superstar. We want to get to 11, 12, 13 starting internationals because we don't have a lot of starting internationals in our group currently. And if you look at the top teams, club teams in the world, look at Leinster, 11 players that started uh, against Scotland from one province. So we're not there now. That's where we want to get to in the future. The second bit is... Um, as a coach, you've got to adapt to the cards that have been dealt to you. I started with a team with no confidence. So uh, how do you see uh, commitment first? You see it in defense and set piece and get field position first. If you look at how we ended the season, I think it's five or six games in a row that we got bonus point for four scoring tries. If you look at the last two games, we've scored six tries against Northampton and five tries against Exeter. And that were fully loaded team. So... Our development will come as we grow. Finn, specifically, why I went for him, he wants to win. He wants to be part of a story that a lot of people think won't be possible. Uh, he saw that opportunity here. 
the first bit again is I went for the man. Um, I think there's a lot of stories around Finn. He's a normal guy that loves rugby, that enjoys to be around other guys that love rugby. And then from a balance point of view, uh, I love balance in, in games. I believe he's one of the best players in world rugby because he's got a balanced game. His pass is second to none. I, I, I don't think there's a better pass of the rugby ball currently in world rugby. Uh, if you just watch the World Cup, attacking kicks, tries get scored of attacking kicks. And then the next bit around his signing is we're not going to go away from the way that we play. Scrum dominant, mall dominant. But what the mall does is if you have a dominant mall and scrum, you get penalty advantage and you get space. And that's where, you know, we're going to use himself, Landy, Oli, uh, Max, who I thought has a, had a good few games. You know, some of the guys that we have here and some of the guys that will still hunt in the next few years. That's where I believe our competitive advantage will be. And I think a key relationship with for Finn is going to be another new face, and that is Lee Blackett. What, what, what kind of made you bring Lee Blackett to Bath and... I guess, had you had a previous relationship with him or is it kind of from what you've heard from, from other guys? Yeah, so Lisa, Lisa, again, absolute between grace, hard work and luck. Uh, when I was at Munster, I coached against Lee. Uh, we had Wasp in, in the same pool as ours and, and I um, uh, met him then. Also at Munster, we had a player called Alex McHenry that we loaned to Wasps. And then Ian Costello, who's now the academy manager at Munster, he was the defence coach at Wasps under Lee. And I remember when we played Wasps um, my first time at the rec, uh, we spoke and I, there was these um, rumours around Wasps going down. And... Um, we just had an instant connection. And, and when they went down, I gave him a phone call and said, look, you're a phenomenal coach. Just just stand strong. And, you know, I I didn't, like, after that, keep in touch, just to respect him for, you know, who he is. And then I saw a difference in the Scarlets. And then, you know, uh, I made contact with him and we instantly hit it off. And, and the things that I'm looking for in a backs and attack coach, I saw a lot of those strengths in him. And um, one of my things as a head coach, I learned a lot from some of the head coaches that I've worked under. And I want to empower guys around me. That's why I'm never afraid to appoint guys that are um, potentially stronger of, or no, more knowledge in certain areas than I because. It's not about me. It's about this club. It's about this team. This is where my commitment lies now. Whenever I go to a new team, that's where my commitment will be. So I need to do what's the best for Bath. The best for Bath was to get Lee Blackett in to improve our attack, to work with somebody like Orlando, because people forget Orlando just had his 22nd birthday. Yeah. Um, you know, he's already played 50 games for the club. And um, Gabriel, Tom, one of the things that we as coaches sometimes forget. Our role is to make players better. So I need coaches around me that can make players better, not coach a game plan. We need to make players better because better players make better teams and hopefully with a better team, we can get better results. And yeah, one, one question I had again as we, we look forward, obviously Charlie Eels unfortunately was injured for a big part of last season, went over 
I went abroad to play at, at the back end of last season and looks in, 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 you know, fit and firing to go. Um, you've named Ben Spencer again as captain for this upcoming season. Would you just talk us through the, the, the decision um, there around the captaincy? So, going back to a year ago, uh, obviously Charlie was the club captain. He, he did his ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, even before that, I said to the group, I'm going to take my time um, in announcing the captain. So what am I looking for um, in a captain? I'm looking for a connection between coach and player and then player and team. I'm looking for somebody that can lead with actions, not necessarily words. I'm looking for somebody that will get selected on merit. Mm-hmm. I know we need a squad system. I need somebody that can inspire others. And I need somebody with X factor that can do things that others can't. And I saw a lot of those attributes in Ben. And Ben has grown a lot in a year's time. Uh, ben has become the natural leader of the group. And what's been very interesting is to see how he's dovetailed with others. Danny, somebody that I gave the captaincy to when Ben was injured, how he supported Ben, how he's become close to Ben. And then some of the other leaders, Josh Bayless, Miles Reed, how they've added to the group and then the other guy that's come out of nowhere for the right reason, something I saw in him, why I brought him back, is, is GJ from Felser. And, and how they've all formed the bond. And then Charlie coming back. I, I can't speak highly enough of Charlie. Charlie hasn't mentioned the word captain or start or leadership once. He just leads with actions. And if you look at that leadership group, then there's three other guys. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Thomas that's been a captain before. You've got Finn Russell that's been the captain of a national team. Uh, and you've got Ted Hill that's been the, the captain of Worcester. So we've got a whole host of natural leaders. And I didn't see any reason to, to change Ben. I said to the group again, I'm going to take my time. Uh, I'm somebody that will listen to advice, listen to opinions, but then I've got to go and think about things. And once I had clarity that this is the best thing for the team, uh, we made that decision. That decision was only going to be announced uh, this week. But within the team, it was never even a discussion point. Just Ben is the natural leader of the group. Uh, but I needed to make sure that that's the right thing for the team. And um, I think Ben has done really well, specifically at the back end of last season. Yeah, agrees. I think Spencer does show those qualities. Just conscious of time here, Johan. Say you're lucky enough to, or we're lucky enough to have you on the podcast in a year's time. What will we be looking back on? How will we look back on a successful season? Maybe in sort of 30 seconds, how do you define success from the 23-24 season for Bath? I'd like to see a team that supporters are proud of. Mm. I'd like to see a team that supporters support because they're winning rugby games. I'd like to see a team that have got the right players on the pitch for the right games. I'd like to see our high-profile players play in big games and winning big games. I'd like to see improvement on the log. Um, I would like to see a team that when we come into May are still in contention to reach knockout games. Whether we'll be good enough this season to, to reach a knockout game, I can't tell you that tonight. What I will tell you is I've got a hungry coaching group. 
I've got a hungry heads of the department, and I've got a group of players that absolutely want to improve. So if we've got this conversation in a year's time, what does success look like? Improvement, but I will be really disappointed if we haven't improved by a lot. And then going into year three, nobody knows what's happening in the future. If I'm still here uh, come this time in a year's time, when we enter year three, it'll be the first time that I had the opportunity to sign all the players that I would like to sign. A lot of players' uh, contracts are up. I'd always like to retain everybody. I'm very open to the group, uh, but show me now. Don't uh, come to me in eight or nine months' time. Show me now. Mm. Some people will stay on this journey. Some will get off it, but maybe if I finish it off like this, our mantra for the season is in, all in, all the time. Awesome. Really enjoyed that. And if that doesn't get Bar fans up for the season, then, yeah, then, then nothing will. You can tell why he's such a good leader, why he's had such a good CV in the roles that he's, 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 he's been in. He's got a real clarity of thought, real clarity of speaking, and how professional. I mean, he knows the games inside out, recounting every single World Cup, knowing every single game that his players are, are involved in. He, he, um, he fills you with a lot of confidence as a Bath fan. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, and thank you to Johan and the club for, for organising that. Hopefully, much more of that insight to come here on the Bath Rugby Plug. The Bath Rugby Plug, of course, brought to you by Black and White Butcher. Johan mentioned him there. Tom Dunn, the Bath Hookers, Black and White Butcher. The first home game of the season, first Gallagher Premiership home game of the season is on Saturday. Check out the Black and White Butchers next to the Swift Half for your pork bat pre-match, during the match, whenever you want. It is absolutely delicious. Black and White Butchers. Partners here with Bath Rugby Plug. Tom, what kind of stuck out to you from that interview? An extremely detailed, confident, um, thorough Johan van Gran, And I thought loads of really interesting points to kind of take from it. Yeah, he's incredibly forensic in the way he, he goes about things. You know, he really knows what he wants to achieve and he assesses it to the absolute nth degree. Um, one thing he said right up front that I thought was interesting was about injuries. You know, started the, the his his period at Bath at the start of last season with 18, now just one in the form of Josh Bayless, who's had to have, have surgery and will be out till January. And we've spoken about how important from our perspective, looking from the outside in, that was, particularly at the back end of last season, being able to string together a bit of bit of consistency in, in selection. And that is a tangible improvement that we've seen since he's He's come in, whether it's luck, whether it's skill, um, you know, who knows, but it's going to be massive for us, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's such a big difference and yeah, really unfortunate news to hear about Josh Bayliss. But you think about the guys that, that we've got fit and available, and we're going to come on to, to talk about the Newcastle game and preview it slightly later on in this podcast. But it makes selection really, really difficult. Um, and when we kind of go now for for 16-game period block post World Cup with back-to-back rugby having a fully fit squad is huge and yeah sorting out that body position composition sorting out that fitness was something that he really emphasized and and at the moment it seems like he's had real success on him and the coaches and, and Roy Murray and the medical guys 
Yeah, and it's, it's about, you know, obviously we're going to have to rotate. The schedule is brutal. He clearly wants to target the Champions Cup. That's just not a, um, you know, a competition on the side as it has felt like in the past. Mm. And I really enjoy that he, he focuses on that. Obviously, Munster being um, fantastic in, in that competition. But yeah, it's about getting some consistency within position groups, centre pairings that, that, that know each other, hookers that, that play with line-out jumpers and people calling the line-outs. That's going to be really important um, as mm. well. So yeah, fantastic. And then the other thing was his, him talking about Thomas the Toy. Mm. Um, yeah, loved hearing about that, about the analysis he'd done to pick, with it, given the salary cap constraints, who he considers the best prop to be able to play both sides. And I think... That's going to be really crucial, and yeah, go forward, go forward, go forward. He said, "We, we, uh, we can't wait to see a bit of that." Yeah, I think my main takeaway from from the whole interview was just how it's starting to be moulded into to his team. He referenced the club as being broken when he joined 11th of July last season, and and how he's starting to mould it with players, with coaches, with a way of playing and and kind of a way of doing things on and off the field. Um, and, and, and there's still stuff to do. But I think we're starting to see that with the signings that he's made, with the coaches that he's doing, and with the results at the end of last season. And yeah, you know, it's easy to be wowed by interviewing Bart's head coach, but he does fulfil you with a lot of confidence that the team is going in the right direction. And I think he referenced at the end of the podcast that kind of come the third season, it will be almost completely his squad. Um, and I think that could be a really exciting time time to be a Bath fan and yeah Finn Russell Thomas Detoy Alfie Barbary was someone who we didn't even get a chance to to talk to Johan about and then Lee Blackett Richard Blaze and, and Andy Robinson being the main kind of off the field additions I think it's starting to become Johan's team and and that is ultimately what Bath wanted when they they employed this guy as, as head coach yeah yeah spot on Fascinating interview with with Johan van Gran and, and yeah, I think it's could have gone on for a lot lot longer. Could have gone on for a lot lot longer, but he's got Newcastle to prepare for on Saturday. Fascinating as well. I thought last thing where he spoke about Ben Spencer, and I think yeah. that's just another element of of him wanting to this to be his team. He said that even before Yules had had his ACL injury, he'd said to them that he wasn't going to make any decision on captaincy. Um, and, and whether that kind of was made easier by the injury, you know, you don't know. But yeah, I think that's almost turning over a new leaf. It's, it's something that we haven't actually discussed on on the podcast yet. Officially, Ben Spencer mm. being named as Bath captain for this season, and it does feel like turning over a new leaf from some pretty tough days under under Charlie Yule's captaincy. Not always his fault, of course, but he was sort of the the flagship kind of yeah. the face of that and I think for him and for the club I think turning over to Ben Spencer kind of um, yeah goes along with that feeling of this being a new start yeah and, and all the things that he spoke about that he wanted in a captain you know someone that can inspire other players someone that leads by example with actions not words but you know a very very hard worker on and off the field and then someone with a bit of X factor mm. you know if you were to pick one player who epitomises all those things it's Ben Spencer and I think there are there are um, a very very impressive and well matched uh, coach captain relationship. I think. Yeah, and he also mentioned that he wanted someone to to dovetail off the other leaders in the squad. And and when we've spoken to Tom Dunn, you know, on and off the podcast, he's spoken about 
the influence Ben Spence has had on that team and how he's really enjoyed having him as captain. So, yeah, from our point of view, and I think from Johan's point of view, and probably from everyone's point of view, the, the, the right choice to lead Bath into hopefully some, some better years to come under, under Van Graan and Spencer. Tom, let's kind of touch base on the last couple of Premiership Rugby Cup games that have been played since we last recorded before looking ahead to Newcastle this Saturday. So Ben Spencer led out Bath for the first time as the official captain for 23-24 against Northampton Saints in the Premiership Rugby Cup a couple of weeks ago now. Um, In a crazy game, 42-43, Bath coming out on the wrong end of that after a yeah, pretty seismic second half collapse. What did you take away from from this game at Franklin's Gardens? Yeah, it was disappointed really. We we put out a strong side, right? The, the strongest side of the the Premiership Rugby Cup that that we'd seen pretty close to um, to you know full strength. Thomas Petoy making his debut, as you say. Uh, ben Spencer returning. Ted Hill. Uh, Max Ajoma, Matt Gallagher, Joe Quincy, etc., etc. Very, very strong side. Charlie Yours coming back as as well, and we started fantastically well. I mean, a couple of early mall tries, and we looked to be dominating physically. And I think, gee, it got to forty-two nineteen, not with a huge amount of time left. We made some replacements fairly fairly wholesale fashion. And from them, and, and, and you know, you can only see, we can have only been able to watch the, the relatively short highlights clip. It, it, it looked like we shied away defensively a bit and let a strong Saints team that was, you know, littered with top, you know, their top players and some international players. We let them get on the front foot and score consecutive tries and get back ahead and, and nearly clear onwards to the, 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 the 50 mark at the end of the, the game. So, yeah, a little bit disappointing I think that ends our hopes in the the Premiership Rugby Cup as well but disappointing how we we let them off the hook there and we we looked a little bit soft-shouldered at times yeah but I I do think the the changes that were made in in around the 40-50 minute mark at at the point Bath were leading 42-19 did have a massive influence on this game the first half we were so dominant physically um, mauling, scoring from close range, um, Abano, Dunn and Detroit in the front row, Ted Hill um, playing and, and, and looking influential, he barreled over in that first half. And yeah, from speaking to a few people that, uh, that watched the game and that were at Franklin's Gardens, I think it was a combination of us kind of making those changes, maybe running out of gas a little bit. And also, I think credit to Northampton Saints for, for sticking in the game. And then when it kind of started to turn in their favour due to those factors, they were able to to influence it um, and kind of score some, some good tries. So, yeah, I think a little bit rusty, maybe a little bit narrow in defence at times, but um, a really good game for certainly for the neutral and, and probably for the, the decent crowd that, was at Franklin's Gardens. I thought Tom de Glanville was scoring two tries. He looked pretty sharp mm. as well. Um, we then played our final game in the Premiership Rugby Cup against Exeter Chiefs. In what was probably, Tom, our most complete performance in that competition for 34. 14 win at the rack. Started to put it together a little bit. Mm. Um, the, the the ring rust that you, you just spoke about looked to be, be shaken off a little bit. Alfie Barbary coming in to mm. start... At number eight, he's only played 10 minutes in a bath shirt, despite joining, obviously, midway 
through last season. Um, and yeah, I thought, you know, very, very impressive. Um, a lot to be happy about. Showed, as we did against Saints, some some grunt up front and scored a couple of, of more tries against a, a physical extra side who had some very solid mm. players in themselves. You know, Scott Seo, uh, Aaron Painter, Jacques Vermeulen, um, Henry Slade, Josh Hodge. So some 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 decent players in the in, in, in this Exeter side. And then when things started to open up, we we showed some real glimpses and some real tidy play in our uh, you know out, out in the wider channels. Max Ajomo with a lovely half break and and chip down the wing for a Piers Francis try and a lovely bit of interplay which ended I think in a Will Muir try mm. down the down the left hand wing. You know. Uh, passes back and forth and offload um, showing that possibly you know the work that, that Lee Blackett and, and Co have done since they've coming in of uh, it's starting to work well because yeah we that's been an area of our game that's, that's been a bit weaker so yeah 29 nil at half time utterly dominant let Chiefs come back with a with a couple of tries but still a, a very comfortable 34-14 win Nice to see that different side to our game. I think certainly the most expansive performance we've seen in the Premiership Rugby Cup. And yeah, that 29-0 wasn't with necessarily our first team out. So mm. that was really reassuring to see. First, well, first proper look I've had at the, the home kit. And the, the blue is a little bit darker than previous bar kits. It almost looks a little bit like a sale kit. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's better than... First thought, mm. I think the, the promotional videos and photos can often make it look a bit odd with the lighting. I quite like it. I think it. Mm. I, I think it looks. Uh, I think it looks quite smart. It looks quite smart. Yeah, it's just a, a little bit of a change. I think there's been some lighter blues on previous parkings. They need Castor needs to get their money's worth for this season. And as I've said, and we did reference Castor at the start of the, the chat with Johan, if there is anyone listening from, from Castor or Bath, then please, please, can you... Um, Such a sellout. Such a sellout. Can, can you, no, just can you create the... Not can you sponsor us. Well, that'd be nice. But can you create the long sleeve um, cotton jersey, please? Because, yeah, I can't, I can't get into that performance jersey. Summer cut's not, not work too well, has it? <laughs> No, but it, yeah, it, look, it looks smart. I think it was just a little bit. One um, thing, maybe one that. thing, maybe to mention: Sam mm. Underhill was on the bench for the, the game against Exeter, and he has subsequently been been called up for England. Um, not sure if any how much involvement he will have. He'll come in for for Jack Willis, who's injured. So, congratulations to him. We obviously get our two Scottish lads mm. back after the the events in um, the events in was it in Paris? Paris. Yeah, against against Ireland. Um, but Underhill out to to join Will Stewart and, and Ollie Lawrence, of course. Yeah, and those Bath Bath Scottish boys are back. Uh, Finn and um, Cam both spoke to Johan on Sunday after the um, Premiership. After sorry, after the Rugby World Cup defeat to Ireland, Scotland's Rugby World Cup defeat to Ireland, and they both said that they wanted one day off and then to be straight back to Farley. So they both rejoined the squad on Tuesday and apparently are in contention for selection this Saturday against Newcastle. Tom, let's talk a little bit about that game, um, and I think then you're going to pick a team, so maybe they'll feature in that. This game, Newcastle at home to start the season, it's our first home 
fixture, our first home fixture to kick off the season since 2015. All wow. the other ones have been away. And it does feel at times that we've almost been kind of Premiership Rugby's meat toss to the Lions um, on a Friday night, often against Bristol um, in some pretty tough circumstances. I think three of the last four years, that has been the case. On this occasion, however, it does feel like we've been given a bit of a break by the fixture makers. Newcastle is a team that we've had quite a lot of success against recently. I think our only two away wins over the last two seasons have been against Newcastle. We've got a good record against them at home. Obviously, we did the double against Mm -hmm. them last season, beating them on New Year's Eve. So this, without wanting to feel too confident, does feel like a great opportunity to start the season on the right foot. I think it's the perfect start. I think if you'd asked who we would want Mm. and where... Um, for, for our first game of the season, this this would have been it. Well, yeah, maybe Sarri's all their England boys got. Possibly, there. but Newcastle still aren't affected Sarri's by that. Still, still pretty dangerous, I mm, think. No, for sure. Um, you know, Saracens won 15 out of their 20 last season, having not you know had England boys for all of that that period. Newcastle won six out of their 20 games and 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 finished bottom or in in, in 10th place, as it as it turned out, and there. Pre-season, she's been having a, a little look at it, has been very, very mixed in the same way as us. They played um, a couple of games against Amptill and, and, and Bedford, and, you know, championship teams, and won both of those. They then beat a sale, but albeit a very young, inexperienced sale side, and then faced a stronger Leicester side in what I think was a fairly uh, strong Newcastle side, I think relatively close to a, a full-strength side, and lost 60 points to seven mm. at Welford Road. Um, so I think it's fair to say their their form's been mixed and, and just looking through the, the the squad that they have, we clearly have a lot more firepower up front um, and a lot more depth. The, the the danger from Newcastle comes out wide. Guys like Adam Rabwan, Matthias Orlando, um, Matteo, Matteo Carreras, obviously still away on World Cup duty with Argentina. So I think this is one that we've got to be very, very confident in in winning. Um, fantastic as well as if we could get off to a, a, a solid start with the, 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 the tri-bonus point as well. But yeah, um, I, I think the, the guys will be licking their lips about this one. Yeah, it, it's a really, really great opportunity and, and not to, to kind of do Newcastle any disservice. I think ultimately they probably were the worst team in the league. Um, and with the restraints that they have on, on their squad, probably haven't strengthened it to the extent Bath have done. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we've got some serious firepower that, that might um, might come into play this weekend. And, and what a fantastic weekend of rugby it's going to be. Exeter, Saracens, Bath, Newcastle, Gloucester, Harlequins on that Saturday, along with the quarterfinals. And then Sunday, Sale, Northampton with those other quarterfinals. All kicking off, of course, Bristol v Leicester on Friday the 13th of October. It's back, Tom, and I, for one, absolutely cannot wait. Really starting to get excited by Mm. this Bath team. Seeing Finn and Cam back, seeing Barbary back fit, seeing Ted Hill rummaging and roaring through the Exeter back line um, in the number four shirt last Saturday. has really started to get me excited for this season. Can't wait to see the boys back in action. Who, Tom? Might we see back in action? Let's have a predicted fifteen and, and, and substitutes for this. Weekend. I'll give you. I'll give you. Give you a full twenty-three. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think the 
the, the most of the 15 picks itself a little bit. So Ben Urbano, Tom Dunn, Thomas Detoit, Fergus Lee Warner, Charlie Yules, and then in the back row I've gone for Ted Hill, Chris Clurter, and Alfie Barbary. And then in the back line, I've gone Ben Spencer, obviously with the, the captain's armband, as we've discussed. Orlando Bailey, I've, I've picked at 10 for the, for the opening game against Newcastle. On the basis of being present at pre-season. On form, basically. Um, on form. Um, <laughs> Big Joe. Um, Max Ajoma at 12. Will Butt at 13, although we have seen those playing, um, you know, we have seen those line up in, in reverse. Um, at least we did against Newcastle, against um, Exeter. Exeter. And then Will Muir and Matt Gallagher at fullback. So, you know, Rory McConaughey, and Tom de Glanville obviously pushing for those shirts respectively. And then in the, you know, obviously a lot of talk about whether Russell will be coming in and, and who we're going to see. Van Grand's shown that he, in true South African fashion, tends to pick a 6-2 split. I'm not sure we'll see the Razi Erasmus cast style 7-1, but I think we'll probably continue to see 6-2 given the game plan. So I've gone Niall Annett, Joanne Schumann, Johannes Jonker, uh, Quinn Roo, Miles Reed. Jaka Kutsia, Lewis Schroeder, and then I have gone for Finn Russell in the 23 shirt. I think... Not a great deal of flexibility of that, is there? I think... Well, I don't know, because you've got Matt Gallagher who can can move around into the um, into the wing. You could play Orlando Bailey at fullback if you wanted. You could even play Ben Spencer in the, in the 10 shirt. And then we've seen what Will Buck can do with the, the wing shirt on mm. his back. Against against Leicester last season, so I think you've I think you have just about got enough there. Um, I think just from the point of view of building some hype and getting fans really engaged and really on this train, I think it will be a, a sensible idea, both from a performance and a PR perspective, to to for us to see Finn Russell in the in uh, on the pitch at at, at some point. Yeah. I like the I like the look of that pack. I think there's definitely some names that can come into into that back line. I think I um, I put a tweet out uh, when I was watching the Scotland Romania game um, earlier in in the World Cup, which kind of detailed the the possible back line that we might be able to to put out this season of Ben Spencer, Finn Russell, Cam Redfarth, Ollie Lawrence, Big Joe, Matt Gallagher, and Will Muir. That's an extremely tasty backline, but obviously a lot of those boys, or a few of those boys, particularly in that midfield coming back yeah. from from, injury, uh, from from the World Cup, excuse me. But yeah, that 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 team looks like a team that that, that should be able to overpower Newcastle and, and hopefully get the five points at the wreck on Saturday. Absolutely, Tom. Great to be back. Thank you again, Johan Van Gran, for supporting the Bath Rugby Plug. The Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Black and White Butchers. We'll be back now every week throughout the season. Saddle up, it's back. The Premiership's back. Tuesday nights we'll be recording in your feeds on Wednesday. Hit subscribe, get all the podcasts delivered to your device. Get all the interviews, get all the insights. And maybe, Tom, get all get some giveaways as well. Watch this space. Follow us on socials at Bath Rugby Plug. Get in touch with us there. Spread the word to fellow Bath fans. This has got a feeling of an exciting season. 